0: All right, coaches, welcome back to another episode of the New Jersey High School Strength Coaches podcast. I've got my boy, Paul Colodi, and we've got the Southeast Regional Director, Toby Jacoby, coming at you. Toby, you're in Georgia, correct? Yes, sir. I am.
1: I am located in Locust Grove, Georgia, which is just about 40 minutes south of downtown Atlanta. Beautiful.
0: So when I, uh, we always have a lot of stories about different things you know paul is uh right now about to wrestle with a tornado so i was (laughs) was thinking of that movie uh what was it called tornado chase or twister Twister. where they they chase the tornadoes (laughs) yep so i'm i don't know that movie didn't like really get me all hyped up but um our friends at power athletes seem to like it (laughs) you know not that they're the final answer on movies and um when I years ago uh, spoke down at Georgia Tech, my wife, she's like, I didn't want to tell you that sometimes the storms are very bad and like uh, there's lots of delays. So I flew in and out on the same day and it was like uh, driving the Jedi simulator. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I always have that memory. When somebody mentions Atlanta, that was a brutal flight. But ironically, I've flown in, I think around like November and it was smooth sailing not one ounce of bumps
1: awesome awesome yeah it's uh, it, it can be entertaining you know when you can deal with the, the biggest airport in the world yep. uh, you you see some very uh, interesting things just walking through and, and all that but uh, yeah it's uh, it is definitely uh, an experience getting in and out of this place I, I bet now where are you from originally you grew up in Georgia uh, I'm actually I'm a military brat Okay. Uh, so I, I kind of grew up all over the world, but mostly in Georgia. So uh, uh, I lived in Germany. I lived in Pennsylvania, Alabama, um, uh, Germany actually twice. I also lived in Massachusetts and Virginia. So, Man. Um, all, wow. over, all over. So
0: shocking that you're not a college strength coach so you could move every other year. <laughs> no offense, uh, guys. <laughs> no. Uh, actually, I did that for 15 years. Well, let's get into it. Give us a little history because um, we've seen some, uh, you've probably seen a lot, you are, uh, Georgia is more dense with colleges. So you've probably seen, especially being a regional director, college coaches transitioning out, especially as the high school sector is becoming a legitimate full-time career. Whereas I think 10 years ago or so, the majority was just something done after school for football. So give us a little
1: history, my man. Yeah, down in Georgia, we're very lucky. Uh, I'm, I currently work at a private school. And for the most part, private schools employ strength and conditioning positions. They have the sole that is the position. And some of them have staffs. I, I'm very blessed where I actually have two facilities. I have a girl's weight room and a guy's weight room. My assistant, she runs our girls program with me overseeing it uh, and kind of leading our department. <clears throat> Uh, And it's the bigger private schools have multiple coaches. The public schools, we are actually making some pretty good inroads with them creating strength and conditioning only positions. A big part of that, uh, again, being down south, and especially in Georgia, football is king. And, you know, there is a tremendous amount of success with a lot of the private schools within the upper tier uh, classifications in Georgia in our triple and, and 4A and 5A programs have had a lot of success. And so those public schools are saying, okay, what are they doing different than we are? And and that's a big piece of it. And so you're starting to see a lot more public schools create strength and conditioning only positions. And uh, it's a growing thing. I know in South Carolina, they have a pretty good Uh, Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association, uh, where they have really good. They they have some really good jobs in South Carolina in the public schools. Uh, Alabama, it's kind of a hit and miss with the public and privates there. Uh, Mississippi, I I think from a a solely a high school strength coach standpoint, uh, we've got some uh, room to grow. But the good thing with Mississippi is they actually have powerlifting as a recognized. Uh, sport in Mississippi so it's just I think it's in the winter yeah um, so that <clears throat> falls in with that uh, in Florida very something very similar where weightlifting is a FA you know Florida High School Athletic Association recognized sport <clears throat> so you know in the southeast we are very very lucky in that respect uh, as far as the positions go it's definitely grown uh, this is my eighth <clears throat> year at Strong Rock and, I've seen quite a few uh, positions being created, uh, whether it be from people recognizing the importance of it or just people saying, "Okay, these other schools are being successful. What do they have that we don't? And being that reason behind it. Have administrators
0: from other school districts uh, contacted you through NHS SCA or just. I guess knowing that you've got you know a program that's been established, have they reached out to you to
1: almost consult about how to create a position? I have. I've been on a couple visits, uh, and honestly, traditionally, it's public schools that I go into uh, to do that. And you know, the number one thing that I always get back from those schools is, oh, well, we don't have the money. And so my my first bat, you know, my first attack with that very simply is, don't tell me about the money. Tell me the coach that you have currently have that is a teacher that we can cultivate into that position. And so that's kind of how I address it. Uh, I obviously think of, you know, not so much we can't afford to have a strength coach. I don't understand how you can't not afford to have somebody in that position. And what I do constantly is I will talk about the fact, and, and I stole this idea from Fred Eves, is I have the most dangerous classroom in the school building. You know, the worst thing that can happen in math class, somebody gets an F? Maybe somebody says something that hurts your feelings. The worst thing that can happen in my class is somebody <laughs> dies. Yeah. And so uh, I'm very lucky where a my administration respects and understands that premise and is for you know forward thinking in my my hiring and and again forward thinking in allowing me to hire my assistant and running our girls program. Uh, so it's definitely something that has, I've been reached out multiple times. Again, I've got Gary Schofield right down the street, one of my best friends. Yes. Uh, Gary and I live probably about 10 <coughs> minutes apart, and so we spend a lot of time with each other. So usually if they don't reach out to him, they're, they're going to reach out to me or vice versa a lot of times. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things. But I have been a part of some visits where I, I would talk to different administrators, talk to different principals. Um, we have a connection with the uh, Children's Hospital of Atlanta, where through our athletic trainer. And honestly, a lot of those inroads have been made through that because they contract out trainers so much that I've been able to make inroads with them to be able to get into a lot of schools as well. What do you mean? They have a strength coach in the hospital? No, 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 no. no. That's it's like a fair. relationship the athletic trainers have. <sighs> so it gets me in that door or the athletic trainer will go to the administration and say, hey, I'm seeing a ton of back injuries. I'm seeing a ton of this. Maybe let's look at this. And so uh, that's kind of how we've had to do it a couple of times, but it's been fruitful, honestly. Gotcha. I see Paul, Paul got bumped out with the tornado.
0: Um, So I, I, um, this was uh, my question or kind of statement, kind of piggybacking on what you said, Toby, with the injuries Um, I don't recall what the uh, statistic was, but I know there was a recent um, high school girl who died. Her basketball coach was running conditioning drills. I don't know if they were down south by you. It was in Georgia.
1: I know exactly what you're referring to.
0: Right. So Um, you said, look, we've got injuries. But if this is done incorrectly with an unqualified individual, it's not like they're going to get sore, tired. We've got kids dying. And that right there should scare administrators enough to say, you know what, we need somebody to come in who understands how to safe, safely build back athletes, uh, integrate them into strengthening and conditioning from a, you know, freshman perspective, uh, kids who you haven't seen for the summer, <clears throat> and somebody who's not experienced. I mean, I hear stories quite often, um, you know, kids I'm training are in a high school weight room. And they say that the coach allows the freshmen to come in and start doing power cleans and benching. So, uh, yeah, scary stuff. Paul, we were talking about, um, the safety factor that Toby mentioned to the point where there are athletes who have actually died going through quote unquote strength and conditioning under a unqualified individual. Um, I know you were about to say something, Paul, but then you got kicked off from the uh, tornado. What do you got, buddy?
2: We, um, well, interestingly <clears throat> enough, after our post with the, uh, with the family day today, an athletic trainer who was a friend of mine uh, put on there, hey, can we get N, uh, our NATA BOC credits for this? And I said, not right now, but they, we have another category just like the NSCA does. I said, you put it in there. I've never been denied. Uh, I think the, the NATA is starting to recognize that strength coaches – kind of know what they're talking about and that the crossover is getting getting stronger and stronger. And I know one of the first connections I made being an athletic trainer was with our president of our we have a very strong athletic training uh, society in New Jersey. Very strong. Um, so Kevin Bryles was the was the president, still is, and I had some <sighs> breakfast with him. We met halfway, it was like an hour drive for each of us and we talked and he says, you know, I want to make you on the advisory board for us now that doesn't go a long way as far as just in within the athletic trainers. But what we need to do is take that and merge it with our state association. You know, Zach knows the NJSIAA and really come in strong to them and say, all right, we have athletic trainers in every high school in New Jersey. That's the requirement. We need to have a strength coach in everyone as well.
1: Yeah, I was lucky enough that I have a relationship with, um, one of our athlete, one of the athletic trainers, who's on the Georgia High School Athletic Association medical committee, and so uh, when we were dealing with the whole COVID situation, it was she would reach out to me and what did you, what do you think about this? And these would be the protocols we would follow. This and and actually here in Georgia, we were able to make some recommendations that they ended up going with, uh, which honestly is very surprising a little bit. Uh, because of uh, the quote-unquote good old boys network uh, hmm. that we have down here. Uh, but it it was it was very positive in that respect that we've been able to to make some inroads and, again, knowing the right people. Uh, it's all about who you know. You know those things. Yeah, Knowing the right people and being able to get in good conversations with them. And, again, show them that, you know, I think everybody deals with um, the perception of meathead strength coach. I get it. Goatee, bald. Uh, You can't see all my tattoos, but that's who I am. I don't run from that. But at the same time, I'm tremendously well-educated. I'm tremendously well-versed in what I do. There is a process of a reason for every single little thing that is done in our program. And once people start to understand that and view you a little bit differently, I really try and attack it from the means of an educator. Uh, It it helps break uh, inroads. Uh, One thing I do want to mention, Zach, you brought up the death with the the, the tremendously unfortunate incident at elite chart, uh, elite scholars. And, oh, and it's right up the road from us. We actually play them in basketball uh, a couple of times. Um, you know, the scary part about that is uh, they've, they've charged those two coaches that were in charge with second degree murder. Wow. And that's a different situation than I've ever heard of. And, and being that I've been coaching over 20 years and, around college athletics for 24 years, or actually longer than that now. Um, that's the first time I've ever heard of an incident, uh, that being, you know, the process. Now, I don't know what the, t- uh, the final verdict will be and things like that. Uh, I am definitely not a lawyer in any way, shape, or form, and did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I can't comment on those. But, you know, that initial, okay, they're charged with second-degree murder, it's scary. And it's something that I think maybe will hopefully catch the eye of administrators with understanding the not, like I said, it's not the fact that we can't afford a strength coach, but we can't not afford one Correct. because that's, I, that's, that's where I think our industry is. I think these
0: scenarios with regards to we can't afford, it has to really be, I always say, let's make it very, you know, cut and dry are we doing what's in the best interest of the kids? If you don't have a highly qualified professional to work with athletes, dangerous things could happen. And just like, you know, uh, kids don't know what they don't know. Coaches don't know what they don't know. And let's say it's something else. Like um, you have a baseball team. When I first started working with our baseball team, the coach did not want to work with me. He had, you know, his program. And he said, I've got a, core day. I've got an arm care day and a strength day. He's like, can you fit in with that? And I remember when he said that to me, I thought to myself, well, maybe he's done a lot of research. Maybe he's read up on Eric Cressy's programming and invested in his programs. The kids came in, they had a workout with like 25 sets of chest. And I remember the kids were, you know, on the bench backwards when they would dumbbell bench, they would bang the weights together and my weight room is not, you know, like what you guys, what what you've got or Paul has. I've got those hex dumbbells. You bang them one too many times, they're gonna break and fall on your face, take somebody's eye or teeth out. They did. It was flat bench, incline bench, you know, push ups, chest flies. It was twenty five sets. <clears throat> and I said to him, uh, "You got to let me help your guys." They were doing tricep kickbacks, and so I look at that like what I used to train like that, you know, with, but not banging the weights together. <laughs> but I recall in high school, why does my shoulder feel like there's a knife stabbing in it? You know, you're going to destroy athletes, you're going to destroy them. <clears throat> and uh, I really think that if you're at, at the top, I even had this conversation with a buddy of mine who's in the NFL. I said, you, you almost, even as strength coaches, we almost need to move into administrative type roles because the ultimate decision doesn't come from guys like us. What do I mean is, in my school district, our superintendent retired, but he was a former D1 football player. His brother, just retired, was a legendary coach, 30-something years, football wrestling track. His two boys wrestled at Cornell. They know sports. You know, I don't think my superintendent right now knows what a strength coach is. And so <clears throat> the people at the top have to really be, you know, uh, in the know. And that's where I, that's the tough thing for strength coaches is we love boots on the ground. But then we're, we do these things. We end up wrestling with people about our importance. And like you said, we're pretty damn smart. And you know, what I was going to ask you, Toby, is we met, <clears throat> mentioned injuries how do you guys organize training? Is it during the day or after school? What's the uh, system like down in Georgia? Is it only in, is it kind of the same throughout the state, the way it's organized schedule wise?
1: It varies. It, it does. Uh, there are, but I would say the majority of schools have a strength training or athletic performance or strength and conditioning class. And so in my case, I get my kids five days a week. Uh, I don't get them for very long, so it takes some uh, tremendous, especially with COVID and all that kind of stuff, uh, it takes me being tremendously creative with what we do uh, because time is, is, is so valuable. What I mean by valuable, I'm talking I have 20 minutes to train on Wednesdays. That's it. Why 20 minutes? Um, if we get out of school at 155 because we always do continuing education for our teachers every Wednesday. So we don't have teacher work days. And so we have seven periods on a Wednesday. And so also my situation is my facility is not at my school. It's about, uh, about 300 yards away. Uh So my kids have to come and go. And Oh, by the way, they have to change out. They have to make sure they're wearing the uniform. And so there's a lot of different dynamics that go into why and how we train the way we do. Uh, it's not ideally the way I would like to train my kids, but it's the best in the situation that I'm given. Right. And so, I, you know, I think that's the that's the thing that I truly, truly believe makes a successful high school strength coach. It's not wins and losses. Um, it's not championships. It's can you prov- provide the best you can for your kids in your situation. Because every situation is unique uh, in its own dynamic, whether it's talking about scheduling, whether it's talking about facility, whether it's talking about staffing, uh, whether it's talking about the belief and buy-in of your coaches, the belief and buy-in of your uh, school. You know, that's why I really, really push with our program to be viewed as a part of the educational process. How do you... How do you do that for the coaches listening
0: who might be struggling to get the support, AKA buy-in of sport coaches. And then, you know, for example, yesterday we did a podcast and I said, you know, this summer, I didn't have a great turnout with the kids. And now the teams that are in the fall want to train. And I always say that's the worst thing to do because now you're piling work on top of work and now they're going to be sore. Now they're going to not, You know, they're kind of they're going to almost dislike the strength and conditioning program. So I'd love to hear how you build that connection with sport coaches. And also, if you could break down what your week of training looks like if you have them for five days. So try to maybe give people a bird's eye view of what that looks like.
1: Yeah. So my biggest thing is relationships. It's connecting with the coaches. It's having having actual conversations with them. And taking of the uh, advantage of the opportunities to get to know people, and what I mean by that is this: I took, I stole this from this idea that I used when I was coaching in college. I have worked for a guy at Charleston Southern, Jay Mills, a good friend of mine, um, but he was very stuck in his ways and how he was going to do things. He was and a strength coach or a sport coach. He was. He was the head football coach, <clears throat> and so he wanted this, this, and this, and this, and so. I wanted to change a lot of things when I came in. Well, he was resistant to that change. Um, But I also knew he hired me to be who I am. And so what I started doing is I started taking him out to lunch. I started removing myself from the normal traditional areas that we would have a relationship. And I put us in different arenas to be able to cultivate a relationship. And I kid you not, after our first off season, we did some things that I wanted to do, he let me do them because I brought them up at lunch. He said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And I had one of the football coaches who had been with him for 10 years at that point in time. He pulls me aside after the meeting. He's like, how on God's green earth did you pull this off? What were those things you wanted to do that he let you do? Um, I think it was go from a, uh, we went from a rep max to his one RMs. Uh, he didn't like timing 40s. I wanted to time 40s. Um, you know, it was just some, some simple things, nothing too monumental, but it was things that he had been ingrained and ingrained in his head that you couldn't do and you had to do it this way. And it was I was just that guy who walked in and was able to, to change things. And I actually took that model and utilized it with all our sport coaches at Charleston Southern, because when I took that job, it was just a football only job. And by the time I left four years later, I had every single athlete under my umbrella as far as strength and conditioning. Um, And and so what I try and do with our coaches is I make it a point that before school, I I don't have a first period. Uh, I teach six out of seven classes, but I don't have a first period. So I would make it a point before school to walk around and talk to uh, different coaches and, hey, coach, how you doing? um, sit down. I do that with our administrators too. And that's one of the big ways that I've been able to, I don't want to say weasel my way in, but navigate, uh, being viewed as an educator, not just a meathead strength coach who yells all the time. Now, do I yell a lot? Yes, I do. Uh, but at the same time, I really want my school to see this is a lot more than just a weight room. This is a place that our kids can come And grow not only physically, but obviously uh, mentally and spiritually as well. And I want to, the way I view my job very simply is this I have to do everything I can to give my parents the value of what they're paying for. Like that. Now, my work week is very unique uh, in the respect of I lose 15 minutes every single class period because of transition time, because of changing clothes. And again, my facility is not at my school. So all the times that I'm telling you, go ahead and knock off 15 minutes from, and that's how much time we have in the weight room. So on Mondays, my classes are right now, 50 minutes. So I have 35 minutes to train. On Tuesdays, they are 45 minutes. So I have 30, 30 minutes to train on Wednesdays. They are 40 minutes, so I have 25 minutes to train. On Thursday, we go back to 50 minutes and on Friday it's 50 minutes. And again, there's a multitude of reasons of why that is. There's different things that we do, but to give you an idea of what we do during the week, Monday, our kids come in, we'll do a lower body explosive exercise. That will be our day where we will focus on our front squat. I'm a big front squat guy with high school athletes. We don't back squat, um, so that's the day you don't back out. squat at all. I don't.
0: Know. What's a warm up look like? Because you're on the time crunch, you know, to get everybody going.
1: Well, again, <laughs> COVID related, what we have to do is it's got to be it's got to be built in within about four and a half minutes. It's all in place. It's all dynamic. We incorporate a lot of our core work into our warm up. Uh, it's just part of how we've had to do it um, a lot of jumping jacks. We do a lot of quick feet drills, you know, to get the core temperature raised. Uh, and then again, what we're doing for that day, i.e. on Mondays, we're going to do a lot of, we're going to warm up with some body squats, we're going to warm up with some lunges. Uh, everybody will do a set with the bar, get loose. Uh, and then we got to go. There's just not much time to do it because again, you're, you're such a finite window, but Mondays we're going to come in. We're going to do three sets of lower body explosive exercise. We're going to do four sets of front squats, we're going to do two sets of single leg exercise. If we have time in class, then I have corrective exercises uh, specific to each kid that's on their sheet and they'll do them for the rest of the time period. Then we're out of there. So Tuesdays, what the kids are, uh, they have like a sheet attached to the squat rack. Yeah. I put the sheets. I'm going to, uh, I, I like, I understand the tablets and all that and the technology. I love that, but I'm an old school sheet guy. How that many what, kids are in a class? about i have anywhere from 25 to 34. wow that's going to be a lot of folders and sheets well i keep yeah
2: go ahead paul what's the what's the training age like for those kids so do you have you know a a younger group you are they just all mixed Do you have athletes only
1: here's the thing and i have a unique situation we're a k-12 school so i have my kids hypothetically And actually being the PE department chair, I can dictate some of this. We actually start some of our kids uh, introducing them to the weight room in the fifth grade. Wow! And so we start in the fifth grade. It's only it's only a nine week block within the regular physical education uh, PE stuff that they do. But it's a nine week block where we introduce introduce that uh, into their fifth and sixth grade PE classes. So by the time I get a hold of kids and we have I teach two middle school classes and four high school classes. By the time I get my kids in the seventh grade, they've had 18 weeks of training that I know what they've been doing because I'm the one who said this is what we're going to do. My assistant is able to run that. Um, But then I teach two middle school classes. So my seventh and eighth graders, um, I have them. And actually, the way we have it organized is we have strength training one and strength training two. To get into strength training two, you have to have taken strength training one. If I have an eighth grader come in and say they want to take strength training two and they are they've never taken strength training one, they're in strength training one. And luckily, uh, because again, that whole educator piece, my guidance counselor understands the importance of them being in that class, regardless of where they are physically. And things along those lines, uh, but it, you know, we express and, and talk about how important it is to be vertically aligned with what we're doing. So by the time I get my kids in ninth grade, I, their training age can actually be pretty decent, and technically, yeah. they should be pretty proficient. Um, this is actually the the group that graduates this year is actually the first group that I had. Uh, that I took over in the seventh grade, my first couple of years, I just did high school, I did boys and girls. And then after a while, I saw what was being done in the weight room. And I said, I got to change it. And so this is my first group of kids. And all the kids that I had since the seventh grade are in our upper tier training programs. And it's the first time we've ever had that all my seniors are in our upper levels of training. And so now are they Monsters and beasts, no, but pound for pound, they are tremendously strong. They have minimal physical deficiencies and, you know, they're solid athletes for what we do at our place. Um, But getting back to our, uh, getting back to our program on Tuesdays, we come in again, Tuesday's a really short day. We have the same uh,
0: Toby, by the way, are these the same kids Monday through Friday or every
1: Monday okay. through Friday, same kids. Nice. Um, so Tuesday, what we'll do is it's a short day. We have chapel. We come in. We'll do two. We'll do two movement. Uh, two sets of an overhead exercise, <clears throat> um, depending on what it is. Then, then we'll come in and we'll do five sets of pause bench. I'm a big pause bench guy That's part of my powerlifting background. Also, I've seen a significant decrease in our shoulder injuries from doing a lot of pause benching. Nice. Uh, it it hurts our bench numbers. Right. But I could care less about our bench numbers. I want to see our bench progress and our upper body strength progress in a safe manner. Um, Wednesdays we come in. You know, now, again, one thing we do, I do a lot of super setting. So my kids are moving the whole time. I, you know, density of training is a must for us. Um, but on Wednesdays we come in, we have five sets of power clean and they're out the door because, again, it's such a short time frame that they're in the weight room. You and clean then, uh, from the floor, from blocks, from the hang. I when on Wednesdays we clean from the floor. I do. I like the power clean. Uh, it's just something I've always enjoyed and I, I like the overall benefits that you can reap from it. And again, again, with all the, the minimal amount of time I have, I have to get the biggest bang for my buck. Yeah. I have to get everything I can because guess what? I don't have an hour and a half to train my kids. I got 20 minutes on Wednesday. Good luck. Um, Thursdays, what we'll do is we come in and we actually do an upper and lower body accessory exercise. So we'll come in after our warm up. We'll do three sets of a lower body accessory exercise, and then we'll do four sets of an upper body accessory exercise. Again, we'll have supersets that go along with them. What's, a, the
0: uh, what's an example? Let me go back real quick. What was like your overhead lift? What was the recent overhead lift you guys did? We do.
1: We do <sighs> it, it varies. And why I say that it varies very simply is this. Um, I don't believe in making a baseball, basketball, softball, volleyball, football program. My kids, it doesn't work. And the reason being is all my kids are multi-sport athletes. All my kids deal with that kind of stuff. So we actually have sport classifications. So I'm you know, a military brat, like I mentioned earlier. So I have the artillery. I have the cavalry. I have the infantry. And So basically, my <laughs> artillery kids, those are the kids that traditionally don't like lifting weights. Those are my more endurance capacity kids. Those are the kids who are going to have minimal loading in competition, uh, and they're going to be my implement-driven sport kids. So my pitchers with baseball and softball, my golfers, my tennis kids, my cross-country kids, um, my shooting team. uh, We do have a shooting team. My equestrian team, we have an equestrian team. Uh, Those those kind of kids are going to be in that program. So when I say overhead lift, for them it just may be a medicine ball slam. That may be it. But for my infantry kids, which is my collision sports, my football, my lacrosse, my wrestling, my throwers on my throwers on a track team, that could be uh, a dumbbell snatch. You know, that could be a hang snatch. It all depends on where they are, because not only do we classify sports, but in the high school, we have four different levels of training that is based (laughs) off of um, I'm working on. Um, I'm working on developing probably about 12 different KPIs. Right now, we have eight. Uh, I'm working on actually going even more in depth on this because I want to, uh, I really want to hone in on some things. But we have eight different things that we look at that dictates who, you know, what program you're in. So um, you walk in our weight room and you can see possibly any one of 12 different programs going on at one time. Um, and again, it's it's a lot of work on my end, but I think, again, like I talked about, that's the value that parents are putting into our school and the value that I believe I should be giving to them. And so there's a lot of, I don't I don't use this term, I use a different term, uh, and Paul will know this one for sure, differentiation within our program, a tremendous amount. You use that term with, you know, I use that term with uh our academic dean one time and it blew her mind that I knew that term first off. And then it blew her mind that I was actually properly implementing it. Um, so it's it's we have a unique program, but my biggest goal and focus with our kids from a program standpoint is to, to give them exactly what they need when they need it uh, from a training stimulus standpoint. And you know we've been able to pull that off uh, pretty successfully this is something that I've cultivated over. uh, I think I started this back when I was at Western Carolina as the head strength coach. And uh, my last year there in 2005 was the time that I started really diving into different types of systems uh, as far as training back in, you know, when I started it, first off, every, you know, when I first started, everybody did the same workout. And then, a couple of years later, then everybody started doing, you know, line skill combo as far as football goes. And as time's gone on and things have changed, now you're starting to really, um, I started to really focus on trying to meet the needs of the athletes that I had at the time, not trying to take the athletes that I had and put them into a program that may not fit them. I'll never forget uh, University of Texas won the national championship. And I had our defensive coordinator come to me and say, you know, well, Texas won the national title, so why don't we do Texas's workout? And uh I'm probably the best comeback I've ever given in my life. I say, coach, I will do Texas's workout when you bring me Texas players. <laughs> and it but it's the truth. Um, and I think a lot of times as strength coaches, we A, we do what we know, we do what we've done, and we do what we like but do we always give the best thing for the kids and what they need when they need it and where they need it. And so I've had to take a step back. Um, you know, I'm a power lifter guy. I love squatting seven, eight, nine, you know, hundred pounds. That's not a problem for me. Um, but is that what's best for my kids? Probably not. You know, we talked yeah. about the front, we talked about the front squat earlier. I believe the front squat is a superior exercise to the back squat. Not that I, hate the back squat. I, again, I like back squatting. But when I look at who I'm dealing with, right. as far as an adolescent spine, uh, I know what I saw when I was leaving the collegiate level and a significant increase in lower lumbar spine injury. I'm not talking, oh, my back is sore. I'm talking doctors have to get involved. That's a bad thing. When you're talking, you see, you know, five or six freshmen a year have issues with that. Okay, maybe there's something going on here. And so when I made the transition, you know, my mindset was I'm a good coach. I I can, you know, I'm a really good coach teaching the squat. I'm going to coach it up and and do it. Well, guess what? I coached it up and we still had some issues. So I went away from it. I tried something that I tried something else. And, you know, it's it's been tremendously beneficial. Um, You know, here's the reality is what's more impressive. You know, when, when people ask me, I had a coach ask me one time, how can I get my football coach to buy into not back squatting and only front squatting? Right. I said, okay, here's the question. What's more impressive, a 400 pound front squat or a 500 pound back squat? 400 pound front squat. Yeah, I, it's so
0: funny you say this because the past few years I say, if you put a gun to my head and said back squat or front squat, I'm going with the front squat. And I don't know if we mentioned this, Paul. But uh, I've mentioned it on my own podcast where I didn't teach the front squat in the beginning because I hated hearing the kids complain about their wrists. And it was like an emotional issue of my own. And then I realized it's going to bother them for like maybe the first session or maybe only two or three of the first sets. Then they're going to realize this ain't so bad. And then two to three weeks in, they're squatting better. And I've also found that when they back squat, they tend to go too heavy and squat high. And the front squat promotes a, a full range of motion more mm-hmm. often. And I, I love what you're saying, Toby, about just we don't want to get a bad rap where a kid could go home and say, maybe they could say, my back is sore. Then mom and dad ask questions and kind of push. And then the kids start saying, actually, my back is hurt. Then they go to the emergency room, you know, they, they really take it to a whole nother level. And then, and, and that's, you know, I said it earlier, kids don't know what they don't know. And so being sore, they might think I quote unquote blew out my back. Um, These are things um, that coaches need to um, keep in the front of their mind. And I'm, I'm harping on it because, you know, this is a podcast centered on high school strength coaches some of the listeners may not be full-time like us. They might just be running it after school and just kind of learning these things. So it's, what's also cool is like you have these shorter blocks, but they're training five days a week. I feel like the consistency it's proven to me to trump the intensity.
1: No doubt. No doubt. And you know, the thing that we do is funny. We have, so we talked about our sheets when I give the kid a sheet, I have an off season an in season and a game day modification for every single every single day. Nice. And so it allows for us to be very flexible with what we do in our training. I'll give you a great example. During the spring down here, it rains nonstop. So I remember one week we had rainouts all for almost two straight weeks of all our outdoor events. Well, guess what? We trained through it. Not a problem. What happens the next week when you have five games in five days? You can't take a week off. Well, guess what? We were able to address that because literally I said, told all my kids, all right, guys, hey, we're game daying it every day. No problem. Our kids were able to train. And consistency is the key. There's no doubt to the success of the program. And it's allowed for us to constantly train all year round in a manner that is going to elicit response positive response you don't have to lift heavy all the time you just especially at this train. age yeah. yeah you just have to train just i'd love train. to
0: i'd love to see a sample of your uh <clears throat> this sheet with yeah. the three tiers yeah, exactly. on it essentially Paul, uh, what, uh, what's the Friday look like? And then I want to, I'm hogging the, I'm hogging the questions, Paul. No, I'll but, Paul hey, listen, go next.
2: <laughs> uh, before he goes to Friday, when you're talking about the front squat, I, you know, it's, it's the wrist, but for the younger kids, it's actually for them learning how to balance it on their shoulders. That's the biggest part. So we'll go from those thumbs up Frankenstein's. So I'll let them use the straps just so they know how to keep their elbows up. So it doesn't get that roll. And they, you know, they'll do that. Once they they figure that out and they keep those those elbows up, two fingers, three fingers for them, it hurts for a day or two. But after that, elbows up is a big thing for me. We we work through that. And here's the funniest thing. Our football coach a couple of years ago said, it doesn't matter to me as long as they're filling up their pants. You know what I mean? It doesn't Uh, matter if it's back squat, front squat. I love that. We're putting the right load and hypertrophy on them. And, and I'm not saying putting small pants on a medium guy. I'm saying putting a medium. <laughs> they're filling their pants and they look like athletes.
0: Yes. And, yeah. and, and
2: at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And if they're filling their pants and they can play, play more because they're healthy and their back doesn't hurt. You know, why not? You know, that's why I say it. Well, I love I,
1: it. I'm lucky in the respect, again, you know, spending 15 years in college. One of my one of my kids is Julian Edelman. I'm sure you probably know the, the name. And uh, Jules, I coached Jules at Kent State and we were talking one time and, you know, he says, coach, you know, the league's a little different. He says, I don't know how well you do in it. I was like, that's ah, all right, buddy, I won't go there. Um, but he made the to me, and I've heard it multiple times, but he said, you know, availability is more important than ability.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, that's true. And, and it doesn't matter at what level. Um, you know, I was so lucky as a graduate assistant to be at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. and during the time I was there, a guy by the name of Brian Simmons, who's a first-round pick, played for the Cincinnati Bengals for a long time, uh, was actually on injured reserve that year until he was back training. And uh, I will never forget, it was around the combine time. And uh, we, had a, you know, we had four guys drafted off that team, and we had some players now. We, had some, we were loaded. And the next year was even better. We had the sixth, uh, the sixth and the second pick in the draft on the same D-line that year. Uh, ridiculous. Um, you know, Julius Peppers, first ballot Hall of Famer, that kind of guy. Well, Brian and I were talking, and I said, Brian, you know, what did you – what, you know, because he first rounder went to the combine. I said, you know, what did you do when you went to the combine? I, we were talking about 225 reps. He said, I did, you know, 17. And Brian's a big dude now. He's 6'4". He's probably about 240, you know. And I was like, 17? I was like, was uh, He's like, but, bro, it don't matter. If you can't get there, it don't matter what you bench, squat, or clean. He says, I was 240 pounds and I ran four, five, five. I said, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Um, But, you know, I think it's just one of those things that uh, you have to look at what's the most important and mobility and movement for us is tremendously important. The reason I tell you that story is Friday. Friday is a mobility speed day. Um, what we'll do sometimes is we'll warm up and we'll run flying 10s We'll run 10 yard sprints. Uh, we will test and avert every once in a while. We'll test in the broad every once in a while. Uh, honestly, a lot of it's dictated on weather. If I can get outside, because the one good thing about my location is I'm right at our football field and our track. So I'm able to do that kind of stuff. And so that's what I use Fridays for on top of the fact, sometimes on Fridays, I just don't have time mm-hmm. because, of uh, our schedule on Fridays, whether it's a half day or a grandparents day or, you know, something else. My first year, I, my mindset was I'm gonna lift Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, all year round. And my first semester I realized if I had 16 Fridays to train, we trained nine of them because it was just different schedules. And so I learned early on a Friday into high school, That's a roll of the dice. And so, uh, you know, I just had to to make that change after my first year. And so we lift Monday through Thursday. That way I can get everything in. It works out well for, like, this week. We are having – we're actually having our first in-service day on Friday. So I get all my training in as far as lifting goes. Uh, It's not a bad thing. Um, Then, obviously, next week we have Labor Day. So we have Tuesday through Friday – and I'll still be able to get all my lifting in. The good thing about my situation is even though I have a small amount of time, I have open hours in the morning before school where we can get I let the kids come in and get all the accessory work that they want. And so I program in all the accessory work. Now I have maybe 10 15 kids that come in and do the extra stuff, and that's okay. I'm I'm not going to, you know, mandate it, uh, but I can really see what kids are really committed and compelled to being great. Um, and I track that kind of stuff. And then I also have um, and we do that Monday through Thursday or before school lifts. Uh, and that's only about 30 minutes. And because, again, I have to go to to, to COVID duty. I got to go take temperatures. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then and then and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays after school, we have speed school for our offseason sports. So my kids will come Tuesdays and Thursdays after school to where they'll go for 45 minutes of a speed session. So my kids who are in an off season, they're going to get movement three days a week and they're going to lift four days a week for a high school kid. That's plenty. Yeah. You know, Oh, that's a lot. That's great. It's
0: a complete program.
1: Yeah. And that's what we try and offer. And um, you know, it's, it's, we, we try and do the best that we can with what we got. So I, I am truly, truly blessed.
0: Toby, the kids after school in the offseason, does the coach tell the kids, hey, this is what we do? Or is it optional? Because I wonder a kid shows up once this week, then he doesn't show up for three weeks. Then he tries coming in and he gets his butt kicked. And you're trying to you're spending more time on a kid who's missed the boat. Does that happen? How does it work?
1: That's happened. I've had (sighs) kids. I've had kids walk out middle of middle of it. And, you know, um, the way I've, my younger days, I'd lose my mind and throw stuff and scream and, uh, I can't cuss at strong rock. So I don't, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I've also learned that you've got to figure a way how to, I, I don't want to say almost manipulate them a little bit to get them to believe in what you're doing. So I utilize a lot of social media stuff. Mm -hmm. I utilize a a significant, a pretty significant reward system with what we do. Like what? So the rewards, um, we have what, at the end of the semester, we do all our assessments and we have our Patriot power competition. And in the Patriot power competition, a part of that is our athletes attitude spectrum. And so uh, I know Paul's familiar with it. Uh, Jeff Jansen, I think is the guy who brought that out. Uh, where it's the resistant, reluctant, committed, compelled, uh, excuse me, resistant, reluctant, compliant, committed, compelled. Okay. And we actually, I've actually got a numeric way to evaluate that where it's 100% objective. It's not subjective. It's not my opinion on kids. It's objective. You have to show it. And so uh, it's been something I've been working on over the you know past couple of years. And it, I think we've got a pretty good model uh, going in place right now. But anyway, a part of that is the kids who are committed do they come and get x amount of workouts in, extra workouts in and you know the kids who are compelled they have to get x amount of workouts in and then do five compelled acts what i mean by that is they have to bring somebody along whether it's coaching somebody up in the weight room that i haven't told them whether it's you know bringing them to a workout some, a compelled action and so that is a huge piece of that Patriot Power competition that they can earn points for. And so the kids know that. And so I've got probably uh, my best turnout overall this year because I've added that very small piece into that. And it's important because um, it hurts kids' feelings sometimes when they see those athletes' attitudes. Because what I do at the end of the year, I actually send home to mom and dad a athlete profile. That has all their testing results. It has their athletes' attitudes, a part of it, and it actually tracks it. So, great example. My kids who have been with me from the seventh grade, um, it tracks them. Uh, I didn't do. I don't do a lot of the assessments in the seventh grade, just because they're seventh graders and they just get stronger more than likely. But we'll start in that eighth grade time. I have all their testing results from the fall, the spring semester of their eighth grade year. All the way up until their senior year, and so I'll send that home. And when I send those home, you know, I'll get—I'll typically I'll get, you know, one email that just says thanks. I'll get another email from a parent, couple of other emails from parents. Wow, this is so amazing. We really appreciate you. We love you. Yada yada yada. And then I'll get those other emails, be like, Coach, uh, my son doesn't understand why he got this. And it's usually—it's always the athlete's attitude. And, um, you know, it, it's pretty interesting. Great example. We've got a wrestler who's a pretty good wrestler. He's pretty good, you know, state level, you know, fourth or fifth type finished state athlete in wrestling. And he's a resistant. And guess what? He doesn't understand why he's resistant. And it's very simple. It's because he doesn't dress out right. He doesn't wear the right things, so on and so forth. has nothing to do with how great of a wrestler he is. But guess what happens, and I've seen it firsthand, when he gets to that state level, when he gets to those guys who knows how to wrestle, he has no recourse for them. And that resisted, reluctant stuff starts to come out. Yep. And it's doing those little things. It, you know, I, I harp on my kids all the time about the little things. And, yes. and you know, that is – I'm a firm believer in the little things. You know, they don't – allow the good things to happen, they allow the greatness to happen consistently. And, and I always use the parallel, you know, growing up in the 90s, everybody knows Michael Jordan and yada, yada, yada. We can all talk about the LeBron Michael debate. That's neither here nor there. Michael's better. Uh, but uh <laughs> you know, I, I use the analogy, how many times have you turned Sports Center on and oh this guy goes for 50 points and then goes back to average in 10 a game. While you look at what a guy like Michael Jordan would do, where he hit 50, 45, 40, 50, 50. It's because of those little things that he didn't allow for others to be, you know, he was compelled. Cause he was going to pull people along kicking and screaming. And, you know, that's what we're trying. I try and instill in our young men is constantly, you know, we talked about Fridays in our schedule, And one one thing I try and do on Fridays is we do, uh, we call it in our world, uh, BWI, Biblical World Integration. Being in a Christian school, we have to do that. A lot of people probably call it character development. And so I do that. And typically, I center ours around our core values. Uh, I'm a big acronym guy. It helps. I think acronyms help for kids to remember our core values, our respect, excellence, accountability, and performance. And that goes right along with Galatians 6, 7, basically saying reap what you sow. And so we talk about those core values constantly, and I'm going to utilize examples in life in general of how those core values are important. Uh, And then, you know, I stole this from Garrett Keith and his idea of having his kids talk about how they view those core values, having somebody say, okay, give, you know, Johnny, Show me, tell me somebody who you saw exhibiting the core value of respect because that's what we're talking about this week. Excellence, whatever it is. And um, not only does that meet a need that I have from an educating standpoint, but it helps those kids realize um, there are more things that are important than just the iron. Now, we're talking to the guy who, gets up at 4.20 every morning to go lift weights. I'm going to get up tomorrow at 4.20 to go deadlift. But, you know, there's more important things uh, long-term. And I tell my kids, my whole goal with them is very simple. The last time they walk out of my weight room, that I have done everything I can, and they have done everything they can for them to be the very best version of themselves. And that is why I do what I do. That's why I may lose my mind some days. I lost my mind this morning on a kid, but it was needed. Um, I didn't feel bad about it. I did it in the right way, but it was needed. What did um, you? Um, I'm echoing here. What, what did
0: you do that to kind of connect with this kid or reprimand him or whatever? You know, losing
1: your mind because? Oh, I. I, I yeah. just called him out. I called him out and screamed. You know, it went from of Coach Jacoby's normal voice to, oh, crap, everybody shut up and, you know, backed away from him because they got scared because they got they knew I was really mad. Um, you know, but it's it's one of those things that um, we just had some uh, renovations done to our weight room. Uh, I think a lot of people have seen those pictures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I told my knuckleheads, don't drop the dead gum bar, and this kid was kind of, you know, constantly doing it, and so I just lost my mind on he dropped and the uh, empty bar? He dropped, he dropped a bar with weight on it. I okay. said, you know, guys, you know, we explained this. We went over this. I don't like saying things twice. Um, you know, and then it was one of those situations. I brought him aside privately and said, are you kidding me? I, could, I, I said, I understand if it's a ninth grader who has no clue what, how we do things. You're a junior. You know how we do things. You know the – and he, you know, he tucked his head and said, I'm sorry, coach. And it was a knuckleheaded moment, but I utilized it and it serves for the understanding that not only am I going to hold them accountable, but nobody is above being held accountable, which I think is very important. You know, I, I did that when I went to Kent, I made the big mistake when I went to West, you know, I've taken over a lot of programs. Um, when I left Western Carolina and went to Kent state, I, I learned from a previous mistake. And so, um, when I got to Kent State, I asked the head football coach, I said, who is the biggest, baddest dog we got on our football team? I said, I need – you know, I want to talk to him. Before I ever met the team. So he got me with the kid. We sat down, and I said, okay, I've got two weeks before the season starts. So I started in July. Crazy time. That's a whole com. that's a whole nother conversation for another podcast. Um, and I sat down, and Danny Muir is every bit of six-foot-two – Six foot three, two hundred and eighty pounds. He, you know, Danny ends up playing 10, 9, 10 years in the NFL. Uh, started the Super Bowl for the um, uh, Indianapolis Colts. Um, played on a bunch of teams. Probably the only player I've ever really been scared of in my entire life. I've never told him that, <laughs> but uh, I saw him get mad one time and swing on one of his teammates, and I was like, oh, I, uh, you know. But I told Danny in our first meeting, I said, I'm going to pick on you. Every second until camp starts and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to attack you nonstop. I'm going to attack your manhood. I'm going to attack who you are because if I can do that as a leader, everybody else is going to see it. Now it's not personal. And I, you know, I know what you want. I, I, you know, and I, I, obviously we had a conversation first before I brought this up and I said, I can tell your heart, you want this team to be successful. Cause they were coming off an old, I think a one and 11 season. And um, we had that conversation and he said, all right, coach, I'm with you. I said, you know, you've got, I, I how our team will respond during the season is going to be how you respond in these next two weeks. And so for the next two weeks, I rode that kid absolutely positively in the ground. The good thing is a, he understood it and B, it resonated throughout our entire program to where we improved to, you know, they were bowl eligible for the first time in 20 years that year. So um, it's those kind of moments that I steal from now where I know I have to make sure, sometimes I have to make an example out of a kid to ensure I my job's easier five years down the road. You know, and, and I think As coaches, you have to be savvy enough to understand those moments, but then also say, okay, after I do that, come here, let's have a conversation right? Right. and understand, hey, you messed up. It's not me picking on you. It's I'm holding you accountable because I want you to be great. I want to see the players
0: holding each other accountable, but I also believe, you know, when you're the coach, you've got to call somebody out. I've done that too, but then I say, hey, why am I tough on you because I love you if i yep. if I ignore you you've pushed me away a gazillion times and really proved to me that <clears throat> we can't help you so um paul what you got a final question for Toby before we ask him about a movie and food question
2: just reading our schools closed tomorrow because of the severe flooding and my wife just texted me that uh, our best friend's basement is flooding tremendously right now so I may have to go in a few minutes but um, I think we got to do a second one on this, Coach. You know, uh, you know, if you read Martin Rooney's book, Coach to Coach, it talks a lot about what you were talking about. And you know, the last 30 minutes of the conversation, to me, we can talk about differentiation. We can talk about sets and reps and meet mentality. All of that pushed aside. You know, making sure that the kids have life lessons when they leave the weight room, not just sets and reps lessons. I don't know who said it, where the quote came from. They'll never remember the kids will never remember you for your, for your programming. They're going to remember you for you as a person. And, you know, to me, if the, if the strength coaches listen to this, don't take this personally and and, and run with it. Um, they should maybe get out of strength and conditioning because it isn't the weights. It is about the discipline and commitment and all of those things. And man, if the kid can walk out of hundred and central or Middletown South or strong rock with those, Uh, Under their belt, um, they're going to be great for the rest of their lives, and that's that's the way I look at it, and that's the way my daughter is because I coached her that way at University of Pittsburgh. I don't worry about her in that in that way, Um, and I'm hoping my son and everybody else, and um, I know Toby, you get the letters from former athletes, and Zach, you get the letters from your athletes as well. You had Johnny Paz on there; he was having you know a great year at Rutgers. Um, I just think that to me that's the way strengthening if if we want the administrators to buy in and believe in what we're doing we have to show them that what it's going to do and um um, i appreciate everything you talked about toby and uh that's my serious side right there and i know zach talked about the movies and the food and i didn't get my notebook upstairs zach i got a notebook three pages of rib I don't even know what to call it. They're just instructions. I called Toby one day and said, hey, I'm doing ribs. He's like, get a notebook. So I got my <laughs> notebook out. I have three pages of notes from taking the membrane off to the mustard. <laughs> Come on. Where are you going? Oh, sorry. My wife's yelling down at me. But sorry. Um, and I, I got to say, the ribs were the best I've ever had. If you haven't – and, again, strength coach, if you haven't looked at Toby's Facebook, Twitter, or <laughs> and saw the tomahawk steaks coming out of
1: his oven. Damn.
2: Delicious.
1: Hey, they ain't coming out of no oven, brother. They coming out of the smoker, smoker. and the uh, uh, grill. Now, what, it's what do you? What's your out.
0: grill, Toby? You have the uh, green egg. What do you use? <laughs> hey, hey that works <laughs> out, buddy.
1: ain't no That ain't no green you know egg. Booked booked out. out. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's funny because I can actually parallel what we just talked about to this conversation, because one of the things that we do, and it's something that is kind of taken on legend at my place, is the summer cookouts at Coach Jacoby's house, where I will, and, and we'll talk about cultivating relationships and things like that and getting the kids to understand uh, you truly love them and care about them, spend 12 hours cooking for them. And they know you spent 12 hours cooking for them because they'll walk in and they'll see they see me running around my house, pulling out ribs, pulling out tomahawk steaks, pulling out all this stuff. Um, you know, that's a that's just something that we do. And, and it's been tremendously successful. My kids know. And now it's to the point where the parents, you know, will ask me about what are you doing? What are you doing this year, coach? And, and, and what are we having? But uh, again, we have a little summer competition with Paul was talking about the tomahawk steak. And uh, we have a team competition during the summer. But for the individual winner, they actually end up winning a full tomahawk steak that I cook for them. Uh, We'll we'll put it in the smoker. It'll be on 275. Uh, It'll be 30 minutes per pound. Let me see. 20 minutes per pound. Pull it off. And we'll put it on the grill five and five. Let it rest. Unbelievable. Um, I will also cook. uh, I think I cooked six racks of ribs. I smoked six six racks of ribs this year. We did four racks of spares and two racks of baby back. Um, My wife, being a true Southern belle, every once in a while, she'll cook fried green tomatoes. If you've never had fried green tomatoes, you are missing out, I promise you. Um, Zach, you will have to come down just so my wife can cook you fried green tomatoes. (laughs) It will change your life. Hey, and I admit, growing up, and and my my family was from the South. I, I couldn't do it. I got married. My wife was cooking them. I tried it, heaven, absolute heaven. Fried um, tomatoes, it but it's we try and make it just a special day, um, and, and that's something I've done. I started it back at Western Carolina. <laughs> I think I I started it back at Western Carolina on a grill, trying to flip hamburgers, and, <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was raining outside, so I was pretty miserable. But uh, anything barbecue, I'm down for. I um, absolutely love it. My kids, uh, they've learned that they love coming over to Coach Kobe's and eating steak and ribs and, you know, whatever we can find uh, that a, you know, 17, 18, you know, 16-year-old is going to enjoy. So uh, if it's going to be food, I'm going to go anything I can put on a grill or in a smoker, no doubt. What what grill do you have at home? Uh, no. I, I have no clue. Basic. I have no idea. Just Nothing a basic fancy. Grill. Nothing fancy, no. It's no, like, I've learned you don't, it's like weights. You don't need fancy weights to get strong. No. No, you don't. You don't. It, it, it's it's all about I think with the grill it's about time, it's about the and fuel. With, and with the smoker it's about temperature. If you yeah. can get good temperature on a smoker and it can be consistent, you're going to have great food. I, turn, I I firmly believe that. What about I think Paul froze? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, Paul you froze a little bit. Uh, What's the last
0: question? We talk always about a, a movie that you love that you would recommend. You know something that's, oh, uh, what, that's, whatever that whatever that's mean. easy. The Predator. Oh wow! When did you Predator. first see The Predator? I remember mine. Where were you? How old were you? What was the I was event? I was
1: living in Stuttgart, Germany, <laughs> in 1980. I don't remember what it was, where it was. But I was in Germany. My dad was in the army, yep. and so that resonated with an army brat um you know anything military and so that predator i love it my (laughs) my father actually when my wife and i went on a date one night and left our kid my two daughters with my dad (laughs) he made my wife he made my kids watch predator with him
0: (laughs) (laughs) favorite movie is predator and he said when he went out on a date with his wife. It was your dad or your wife's dad. My dad. My his dad. His dad had the kids watch Predator. <laughs> I watched Predator for my older brother's birthday. I think I was in third grade, so we're talking like 1983. So my yeah. brother had a birthday party, and I don't know how many kids it was. You know, not a lot of kids. I think movies back then were like two dollars and fifty cents. Oh, sure. uh, maybe like eight kids. You know, uh, so watching Predator for. My brother's uh, birthday. So if I was in third grade, he was in fifth grade. And the 80s were just, you know, the action heroes were so pumped up and all the training montages. You were so inspired to train. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. That is great. Uh, Any last questions, Paul?
2: I'm sorry I missed the food, but I'm going to throw out an invitation. Toby, family day, come up Saturday morning. I'll pick you and your wife up from the airport. You guys stay in Manisquan. My wife and I will come down. We'll all go to Point Pleasant. We're gonna we're gonna play water balloon game.
0: <laughs> oh, you cut out. Oh man. He's cutting out. We're five oh. minutes from a uh like an amusement park boardwalk. So okay. over the summer I ran into Paul. I didn't even know that he was gonna be there. We're you know that that food's all like that's pretty, that's bad food. They don't have a um good bar I don't know if I there's some barbecue places up here but it, it's nothing like down south the place that I ate down south was outside of USC called Southern Belly it's like a little shack
2: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> and I had a uh grilled cheese pulled pork sandwich and it was it was legit
1: <laughs> there's a lot of those neat little mom and pop spots places yep. all around and there's you know it's just the sad part is now that I've started, you know, cooking my own and spending so much time doing it, I don't like eating barbecue out anymore.
0: Yeah, because you're, you yeah. know, what's I, I've said the same to my wife is, um, yeah, Paul says he keeps cutting out. Things are getting bad up there. So uh, he said, we'll have to do a part two. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. This hurricane, this weather is crazy. But, um, yeah. So let's let's shut it down we'll definitely do a part two toby you got to wake up early you got this 420 am wake up um we we tell everybody uh, go to nhsca.us to become a member when is your family day down in uh, georgia do you know the date is it the fall oh, the winter
1: ours is in uh, october uh ours is in october um i'd have to look at the exact date i'm on okay. my i'm that mean guy who yells at all my not yells but Sends those emails with exclamation points to all my state directors to make sure go get those in. So I apologize, yep. guys, all my state directors. Um, but yeah, we've uh, I know we've got uh, quite a few family days here coming up uh, down here down south. So it's it's definitely going to be. Is it uh, because Georgia's such a big state? Do you have like two of them in different locations, or just one? Right now, we're <clears> still doing one uh, because the predominant amount of strength coaches are in the Metro Atlanta area. Okay. And so right now we're doing one. Ideally, we'd like to have multiple in every state because, you know, those family days are designed to connect, you know, created to be, you know, that front door to the NHS SCA just for people to come in and see, hey, this is what we're about. This is who we are. You know, Um, for me personally, the NHS SCA has been been so amazing. Just the opportunity to be here with you guys is is through the through that. And, you know, but um, I mean. Great example. Right before we got on this call, I literally had called Garrett Keith and wished Claire his 10-year-old daughter happy birthday. And they call me Uncle Toby because I've gone over and stayed at their house. He stayed at my house. Uh, My wife knows Garrett by his first name. He knows her. You know, it's that hashtag family goes so much further and beyond what those letters mean. It's not even funny. Um, Yes, it's uh... it's it's amazing when, you know, I had Rob Brokaw and his wife come stay at my house um, during the summer. Ryan Johnson came down uh, during the summer. When we had our state clinic here during the spring, you know, my wife and my kids went and stayed at my mother in law's house. And I just had a bunch of guys come hang out. (laughs) I mean, it was great.
0: That must have been great. And you're right. You know, hashtag family. I mean, I I've had this conversation with, with athletes at my school is I was like, we could have it on our shirts and close out family and all that. But I go, you know, you got to live it. You got to do it. And the NHS SCA has been the most family oriented, true supportive organization I've ever been a part of. I mean, you you're, you'll only know it if you're part of it, you know. I could try to put it into words, but it doesn't it it's, it doesn't um, amount to what it feels like. Great people, and, and,
1: and, you know. The unique thing I think about us is very simply: is this, we are here to help other people. And when you talk about this past year at NatCon, we gave away over sixty uh, over sixty thousand dollars worth of stuff we gave away a master's degree a full scholarship master's degree in strength and conditioning it's crazy you start figuring about the impact that you know we talk about impact and what you can do with kids what happens when you start having all the bells and whistles just because someone gave them to you that's amazing you know there's no other organization that truly truly values uh their members like the NHS SCA and, and that's why um I, I do so many things with it. I'm such a uh I'm so ingrained with it. Um actually um I don't think let's see if you can see that. Yeah. Um, wow. I got that when I won the coach of the year thing. Uh I sent it to uh, Kevin Vinger pushed against I think that I think they blew it blew their mind first <laughs> off. But uh You know, obviously I'm all in if I'm going to do something like that. Um, But I I really hope anybody listening to this, you know, come check out a family day, see what it's about, meet the people um, and and, and really uh, I hope and pray that, you know, end up seeing what I see and what I've known for years now and and what I've been able to experience. Yeah, 100%.
0: I mean... Yeah, I love it. If you're involved in high school of whether you're private sector, public school, private school, part time, full time, you got to be part of the NHS SCA, great people. So, Toby, is any of your um, because I know you kind of handled the um, continuing it like we have the back end of the website where people could um, put in, um, you know, program design, videos, fundraising. I sent a video of a tour of a weight room. Um, how much or how often are you updating? What do we call that section? Continuing education or professional uh, development? Professional
1: development. Do you we update try, it once we a try month? And, yeah, we try and get something out uh, once every two weeks, oh, nice. uh, whether it be a presentation um, or something along those lines. I think um, a lot of times it's finding... Um, you know, we're still working within the parameters of uh, our core, current website and things like that. Like the video, it was too hard. To, you know, we don't actually house our videos on our website. So I'm working through that process. Yeah, uh, We use a third party with that. So, um, but yeah, we try and update that consistently. If anybody's interested in contributing to that, please reach out to me. Um, my email is on our website under the leadership tab. Um, you know, uh, you can hit me up on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram on um, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, if anybody's interested, please feel free to, to let me know. Nice. You're the man. This has been awesome.
0: For everybody listening, go to nhssca.us. For the family day, you click on events and you have to register for the family day. Those are free events, but we still want you to uh, register. And of course, um, as a member, there's different levels of membership. So if you're a college student, um, there's a uh, different rate for college students. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see some of these college kids now being able to uh, intern at the high school level versus just at the collegiate level. And I'm like you, I've been at all the levels. And uh, <clears throat> the high school level is the most challenging with the schedule, the numbers, the just, yeah, it's very challenging. And uh, f- of course, for, for very, you know, uh, all, all good though, but it's been great. You know, you want to be challenged as a coach. So uh, for everybody out there, um, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like drop a comment or question, share it with friends. And um, we're anywhere you could listen to podcasts. So that's all we got. And uh, Toby, just hang tight. I'm going to stop the recording. Paul, we're just shutting it down and um, I'm just going to stop the recording and we're going to say goodbye to each other. Toby, thanks again, my bro. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to my bro, Paul, as always. And we're going to stop recording.